Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. Before we start on Lot, let me go back to this morning's sermon and correct something that may have been misunderstood. I made reference to using the internet to quickly pull up a Greek and English translation that was not referring to the Bible whatsoever. I would never go to the Greek to try to get understanding of our Bible. I don't know of a Greek Bible that I would go to and trust as the Word of God. We, there's, so, there's as many Greek versions and Greek translations as there are English, and I trust the fruit that has followed the King James Bible, which far exceeds any fruit of any particular Greek translation. Right. What I meant was that I'm able to go to the Internet, you're able to go to the Internet, type in Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, and get the poem written by Greek poets or Greek prophets, and it'll be translated into English, and you can see the name of it, when it was done, who did it, that Paul quoted in Acts chapter 17 as Greek poets. As certain of your own poets have said, we are the offspring of God. You can see it and find it, and it's just very easy to do. Commentators have transferred that knowledge down through the centuries, so it's not new. It's just that now you can go get it and find the actual work that was done in the past that contains those words. Your English Bible is everything you need, but if you want to go see some of the things pulled in, you can find it very easily now. We have Genesis 19 in front of us. I have 50 lessons. What do I do? I have 50 lessons from Genesis 19. Someone said get started. (laughs) I am probably going to go very fast, and I am not going to worry about it, but I am not carrying it over. Genesis chapter 19, I'm not going to read it all together right now to you because I gave you that as an assignment to do last evening. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 19 and verse 36 as an opening verse of Scripture. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. The incestuous sin that closes out Genesis chapter 19 that resulted in the Moabites and the Ammonites. There's a lot that could be said by way of introduction and background like I gave you for Acts 17 about Lot. Lot is first mentioned, we're told about him in Genesis chapter 11, and there are events of Abraham and Lot in chapter 12 and chapter 13, 14. It's in 13 that he pitched his tent toward Sodom, so we're going to find out that one of the lessons is this sordid story is his fault. The sordid story of Lot, lessons for life in Genesis 19. You're reading your Bibles. Half of what I want to accomplish is when you read your Bibles, do you think? If you're not going to think, don't read them. We're not Catholics. Catholics read their Bibles for the sound of words. Catholics read their Bibles for the exercise. I want you to think. 50 lessons from Genesis 19. When Sherry and I read it three weeks ago, we went off. 
It was unbelievable how much wisdom is in Genesis 19 if you'll think about what you read. So lesson number one, guard your inputs. Lot moved near Sodom and he pitched his tent toward Sodom and it ruined him. Look at chapter 13 for this particular lesson, though it is fulfilled, obviously, in chapter 19. Genesis 13, verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes. Abraham has confronted him and said, Nephew, we're too large to live together. We have got to break camps and separate because our flocks and herds are so great they can't be together. Look around and you pick the land and whatever you don't pick, I'll take. What a gracious offer from an uncle. Verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. A terrible choice. Guard your inputs. He exposed his family to worldly, ungodly, wicked inputs, and it ruined them. Paul would tell us, make no provision for your flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Lesson number two is contained in Genesis chapters 12 through 17. Lot should have perceived that God was with Abraham in a way that he was not with Lot, and Lot should have wanted the way and the relationship that God had with Abraham. Abraham was the friend of God. Abraham was the father of the faithful. God blessed Abraham abundantly. God blessed Abraham with 318 trained servants to rescue Lot, who couldn't help himself with a confederation of five kings that were taken captive by four kings from Mesopotamia. When events happen like that in your lives, in in adversity, consider there might be something wrong. Lot should have considered and said, I want to be like Abraham. I'll kill half my flock. Whatever it takes to cut out inputs and to be near a place where a man has a great relationship with God. Lesson number three is in chapter 19 and verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. These are two of the angels that met with Abraham at his tent in Genesis chapter 18. The Lord stayed behind and negotiated with Abraham for the lives of Lot's family. The two angels just kept right on because God had his timetable and he was going to burn that city up. And so they arrive at Sodom and Lot is in the city gate. Reject dangerous promotion. Promotion, we think, is a good thing always. Sometimes it isn't. Lot sat in Sodom's city gate as a city father, as if taking his family there was not enough He jumped into that life and under its social obligation by being a a city father of Sodom. Agur taught us that food convenient is better than wealth or poverty. And that's what we want to aim for. In that same verse one, number four, false humility stinks. Lot bowed himself to the two angels, but he would not bow to God's sexual holiness. Do not bow your head in church, but keep your heart to yourself and your chosen sins. 
The Bible is filled with God's hatred of such compromise. I'll have this outline in your inbox before 6 o'clock this afternoon. It's already done. It's 10 pages long. It's got 50 lessons. But I want you to think about what Genesis 19 teaches us. And number four is, don't come in here and try to show us your humility if you are stubbornly proud for some sin in your life out of our sight. Number five, heed God's messengers. Verse two, and Lot said, behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Heed God's messengers. God sent two angels to Sodom for Lot, and Lot knew they were angels from God. Instead of fussing about keeping them out of the street, he should have begged for their truth and help with his pitiful family and his private life. Every church assembly or pastoral communication determines your degree of faith. It comes to you for your benefit. So use it. Verses verses 2 and 3. So let's add verse 3. And he pressed upon them greatly. Lot pressed these two angels greatly to stay at his house and not in the street. And they turned in unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread. And they did eat. Lesson number 6. God knows compromise. Lot tried to hide his compromise by keeping the angels in his house to not see the wickedness of Sodom. What don't you want people to see that's in your house or in your life or in your practices or in your music or in your vehicle? He was no better than Adam and Eve who tried fig leaves and hiding in Eden's trees. God can put holes in walls or use birds of the air to reveal sin. What do you try to hide from others when God sees every detail of compromise? God knows compromise is number six. These same verses, number seven, hospitality is not enough. We can look at Lot and say, he was so hospitable. He invited them in. And it tells us that he made them a feast in verse three. What an entertainer. What hospitality. We don't want hospitality if it doesn't involve personal holiness at the same time. We stress hospitality and we stress entertainment unlike other churches, because the Bible stresses both of them. The Bible requires them. The Bible says we're to be given to them, and the Bible says if we don't have them, we're probably not saved. Because if we don't love the brethren, we don't love God. And love of the brethren is shown by such activities. And so Lot had hospitality, but we don't care about hospitality if it's not coupled with holy living. Verse 4, before, but before they lay down, Before those two angels could hit their cots or their beds in the spare bedrooms, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. Verse 4, lesson number 8, Sodomy can multiply. Sodom was predominantly gay, for the inspired description includes all of every class. Ordinarily, in most nations and most generations, Sodomites are a very small percentage. But when God blessed people, turned their backs on him, he he rewires many more of them than the ordinary statistical occurrence. You say God blessed? They were in the well-fertilized plains of the Jordan River. It was very prosperous there, which is why Lot chose it. 
And when you're prospered, you owe God more than people who are not prospered. And God judges if you don't honor him. This great and rapid growth of perversity occurs without the ability to reproduce. Lesbians can't reproduce. Sodomites can't reproduce. And yet sodomites can grow because God grows them. And that's what's happening in America. God did this in a certain city of the tribe of Benjamin named Gibeah that you can read about in Judges chapter 19, where a city of Benjamin did that. And, when the, and the man who lost his concubine in that whole ordeal chopped her up in 12 pieces, sent those pieces by FedEx to the 12 tribes, and said what Benjamin had done. The 11 tribes took on Benjamin and wiped Benjamin out down to 700 men. It can multiply. America has turned her back on God publicly and privately, and he has rewired many. Lesson number nine from this fourth verse. Sodomy loves crowds. Sodom's perverts didn't keep their lustful desires or reprobate activities in the closet. They band together for comfort in their perversity and to force their wills upon others. As you read or watch the news, observe how they cannot keep their sin to themselves. How many heterosexual or same-sex marches and parades were in 2018 to honor good sex? None. Oh, none. Okay. Verse 5. And they called unto Lot, the men, old and young, all the people from every quarter, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, compassing Lot's house, they called unto Lot and said unto him in verse 5, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. We want to have sex with them. Get that hot flesh, that hot male flesh that we saw at your house in here. Now, what do you think those angels look like? Charlie Brown? Those angels probably were two studly men. And Sodom wanted to get their hands and other parts of their anatomy on them. So the lesson here in verse 5, lesson number 10 Sodomy does not discriminate. Sodom's gay crowd was made up of young and old, from every quarter, no exceptions. It was once thought that sodomy was caused by an overbearing mother or by an odious wife that would drive a man to one another man. Can you think back far enough to where that was commonly talked about? His mother must wear the pants in that family. That's why he doesn't like women anymore. He likes men. No, 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 no. You don't know where sodomy comes from when Romans chapter 1 tells us exactly where it comes from. It comes straight from heaven. Sodomy comes straight from God as a judgment when men do not worship him and are not thankful for his blessings in their lives. And Romans 1 verses 18 through 27 teach it very plainly. And it doesn't discriminate because when God rewires, it's not because he had a bad childhood growing up with an overbearing mother. It's because God's rewired him. When God rewires a people, he doesn't limit himself to one segment of a population. You say, have you got ten lessons out of the first five verses? No problem. Read and think. Read and think. And watch the news whenever you have to. And think again. Number 11 out of verse 5. Sodomy is not celibate. Sodom's gay crowd was not content with fantasies or reading gay porn or gay movies. They wanted to rape two angels. 
They were filled with greedy lasciviousness to get their hands on the angels' bodies. When God turns men over to reprobate minds, he does not leave them with temperance. Go read it in Romans chapter 1. I don't have time to preach Romans 1 right now to you. So I've got to hope that you remember it. It's very plain. We're living in the fulfillment of it. Watching the news is glorious because God's at work in America. He's at work in the weather last week, and he's at work in their minds. Listen, we've got stuff that goes way beyond Sodom, that sodomites and lesbians. How about transgendering junk? Where in the world did it come from? He's rewired them. It's happening right in front of our eyes. Scripture's being fulfilled. The Word of God's being confirmed. God is true. Amen. And He's because we deserve it. Right. We don't want prayer in our schools. We don't want prayer at our football games. We don't want the Ten Commandments in our courthouses. And so they've turned their backs on God. This was a God-blessed nation. And so He's judging them. It's not celibate. They're obsessed by practicing their perversion. Verses 6 and 7. And Lot went out at the door unto them, that's the men of Sodom, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. I, he didn't tell them that he had angels. Don't you think so wickedly as to take my two guests and do what you want to with them. Number 12, rebuking sin is inadequate. Lot told the men of his city, the men he helped regulate by city council, that their plans were wicked. He did cough up the word wicked. Can we be proud of him? I can't be. It's too late. God wants those in authority to do more than verbally correct great sinners. What does God want them to do? Can you think of an R word? Not repent. Restrain them. What did Eli not do? Eli rebuked his sons, but he wouldn't restrain them. How far should he have gone? He should have killed his sons. He should have impaled them like Phinehas did, the fornicators in Numbers chapter 25. And God would have had mercy on his family. But God destroyed the entire family tree of Eli because he wouldn't restrain his sons, though he did rebuke them. Rebuking sin is inadequate. You need to do more. David had great ambitions for his godly house, and he specifically described it in Psalm 101. Asa did not just suggest that his mother stopped doing bad things with idols. What did Asa do? He demoted her from being queen, took her idol, and ground it to powder and destroyed her groves. Now that's a man. But Lot has compromised himself so much, he doesn't think like a man. He doesn't think like Abraham or Gideon. You say, Gideon? Yes. Do you know what Gideon's other name is? Jeroboam. What does Jeroboam mean? Let Baal plead for himself. Gideon threw down an altar of Baal. The worshipers of Baal came to his house, confronted Gideon's father at the door, and said, listen, your son has thrown down our God. What are you going to do about that? And Gideon's dad said, well, this is a marvelous thing. Let Baal plead for himself. <laughs> we needed Lot to be like that. But Lee, he's trying a little tiny bit, but it's just because he's scared of the two men that are behind the door, and that is the angels. Verse 8, Behold now, this is Lot. He says wickedly about them in verse 7, then he says this in verse 8. 
Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Unbelievable. Lot showed how sin had corrupted him by offering his virgin daughters for a sex party. Sin corrupts morals is lesson 13 from verse 8. There is no reason to try to justify this evil conduct as extension of his hospitality. You would not believe what I had to read in preparation of what I've read in years past. He was terrified by the angel's presence, but he had long lost a true moral compass. No matter how much or when he was vexed with Sodom, he could not see his own faults. The Bible warns that sin corrupts and sin is very deceitful. Sin lies to us. And we're able to depart from the living God if you play with sin long enough, according to Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13. Verse 9, and they said, stand back. He's got his house surrounded by a mad LGBT crowd. Stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came into sojourn. And he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Now they want to rape Lot from their own city council. In verse 9. In verse 9, we have lesson 14. Sinners hate correction. Sodom's men turned on Lot, though he had been esteemed enough to sit in the gate of their city, and for three of their families to marry his daughters, there, and though his appeal was gentle, logical, and generous, offering his daughters, they wanted to abuse him more than they had in mind for the two angels. There are fools, then there are scoffers, then there are scorners, then there are sons of Belial. Look out. We've encountered them right here in the city of Sodom. God's rewiring that is so extensively contrary to nature results in very perverse ideas. Once sinners choose to sin, they hate both correction and those correcting, which is a scorner. A fool is just a dumb idiot. A scoffer is a questioning dumb idiot. A scorner is a person that hates correction and hates the person correcting them. And that's how... Proverbs progresses from a fool to a scorner. A scorner is worse than a fool. Lesson 15, worldlings hate hypocrites. Worldlings hate hypocrites. Sodom's gay crowd mocked Lot for moving in among them, though knowing their sins, and was now going to try to say they were wicked. Are you with me? This is what you need to do at work. In order, you need to have a virtuous life, for others to see so that you can have the opportunity of Acts 17. You've got to live different than Lot in Genesis 19 to get the privilege of Acts 17 because they hate hypocrites. We are sickened by Lot pitching his tent towards Sodom, but the Sodomites knew it as well. They said, in that, they said there in verse 9, this one fellow came into sojourn and he will needs be a judge. He's going to judge us. Many have said that they reject Christianity for all its hypocrites. A perverse excuse. Why don't you show us how to do it? 
Why don't you show all of us hypocrites how to be a Christianity in pure integrity? God knew that David's sin would give occasion for his enemies to blaspheme him, and so it happened here. If you think you get along well with the world, try telling them like Lot that they are wicked. You'll find out. Okay, we move to ver- so we're still in verse 9, but it's lesson 16. Sodomites use violence. The men of Sodom did not care about Lot's appeal or offer. They pressed sore upon him. They were ready to break the door down of Lot's house to get at him and the two angels. Again, remember that God rewired them for activity, not for mere fantasies of sodomy. God doesn't want fantasizing sodomites. God wants practicing sodomites because it's only by the practice of their perversity that they shame themselves with each other like it is described in Romans 1. This is all so simple. We're in third grade with this, with these lessons. I'm sorry that it's not very deep, but it'll be thorough. Sodomites use violence. They were ready to break the door down, but God had rewired them. They care less about romance and winning a partner than they do exploiting him or her in their gay bars and other places. What takes place in prisons reveals comparable violence as to the citizens of Sodom. Verses 10 and 11. But the men, that is the angels, put forth their hand, pulled Lot into the house to them, and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. But they kept on looking for it because they still wanted Lot and the two angels. This is lesson number 17. God can protect. Though Lot and his family were in extreme danger, the angels of God rescued all five. I really mean four. Lot, his wife, and the two daughters. The angels pulled Lot back into the house, and they struck the Sodomites with blindness. The angels had not yet exposed Lot's corrupt family to show that Abraham was too high at ten. Though we live in an evil and violent time, God can and will take care of his children. If you foolishly bring up the example of martyrs to me that God doesn't always protect, I will remind you like I have in the past, they are more blessed than you will ever be. Dying with that immensity of grace in them, upon them, and around them is better than anything that can happen to you. They go straight to the altar of God. Verse 11, where we were about being struck with blindness. Number Lesson 18 is sodomites are blind. Though the angels had blinded these greedy, perverse men, they could not recognize it. Do you know how much blindness that is? To be blind and not know you're blind? To weary yourself trying to find the door. You're crawling around the garden. You end up in the garage. You fall into the hole in the outhouse, but you can't find the door because you're blind, but you keep looking. Their lust for male flesh far exceeded any squeaks or peeps from dead hearts, minds, and consciences. Again, oh, I've said this many times, remember that God rewired them for perverse conduct so so normal reactions are out. Sodomy is contrary to conscience and nature, so sodomites have contrary kindness also. There's no friendly relationship at this front door. It's violence. We're going to do worse to you than what we had planned to do to them, they said. Verse 12, And the men said unto Lot, these are the two angels, 
Why does it call them men? Because they had the form of men. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place? For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. What watchers? There's watchers in the universe that the world doesn't know anything about, and we know about them, and they are active. There are active watchers in the world. But we just read verses 12 and 13, which brings us to lesson 19, fathers affect families. Is this a point I want to communicate? I sure do. The angels diligently sought the rest of the ten righteous souls, but Lot only had four. Abraham had reason for ten. He had negotiated with God for ten. Lot, his wife, that's two. Two daughters at home, that's four. Three daughters that had married, that's six more, that is ten. Abraham thought he had Lot covered, but there was only four here. And the angels are saying, where's the rest of the ten? Because we want to destroy this place, and we need to get you ten out of here. But there weren't ten, there were four. Though, that was lesson 19. Compare this to what God knew about Abraham in distinction to Lot. Do you know what God knew about Abraham in Genesis 18, 19? I know him that he will lead his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. Oh, we want to be like Abraham and not like Lot. We safely assume that Lot had three sons-in-law who received his warning as a mere joke, which is about to come up. He had compromised so far and for so long that his favored sons-in-law did not believe. Lot's terrible choices had corrupted his family. All nine family members were corrupt. His three daughters were corrupt that he had married. Their husbands were corrupt. His two daughters were corrupt. His wife was corrupt. She turned back and became a pillar of salt. He had ruined his whole family. Eli ruined his whole family tree. Do you hear me, men? I'm speaking to you as men. You're responsible for your wives, your children, and your grandchildren. Man up. You don't get to take it off. Take the day off. Take the week off and have your wife do most of the work. Man up and lead your family like Abraham did and like God said Abraham. Since Let's go to 1819. I know I'm slowing down a little bit and we need to pick up the pace. Genesis 1819, I want you to know the verse. Most of you know it. Most of you know Joshua 2415. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a great verse. That's Joshua. This verse is better. This is Genesis 1819 and it's Abraham. And God is speaking about him. Genesis 18, 19, for I know him, God knew Abraham, that he will command his children. He won't ask them, he'll command his children and his household after him. He'll be out in front, he'll be doing what's right, and he'll command them to do it the way he does, that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. That is a great man. Every man, every young man in here, You don't even want to get married until you're ready to be that man. You do not know how hard it is. You do not know how hard it is to lead a wife about. It doesn't matter how good of a wife. She's still going to need you to tell her that this is the way we're going to do it, and she might have some alternative ideas, that you're a little too strict and severe. So get ready. Three of you chose to sit together. You're going to get some attention from me. (laughs) Fathers affect families. 
He ruined his family, just like Eli. Verse 13, Genesis 19, 13. We will destroy this place. God destroyed Sodomites, and God will destroy Sodomites. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers, God will judge. God destroyed Sodomites. God had sent these two angels to destroy the city, for the city's conduct offended him. God hates all sin, but God hates unnatural sins even more. It's called going after strange flesh in 2 Peter chapter 2. It's called chiefly in Jude, verses 7 and 8. Consider what he did to the Canaanites, guilty of sodomy and bestiality. Though this happened to the cities of Sodom, Gomorrah, Zeboiim, and some others that were in the plain of the Jordan River, the Canaanite nations did not learn from the lesson. The Canaanite nations did not learn because over the next 200, 300 years, God told Moses, I have to send you in there to kill every single one of them because if I don't get you in there soon to kill them, the land itself is going to spew them out. Right. And you find that in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, where all sexual sins that are basically possible except transgendering, all sexual sins are cataloged in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, and all the Canaanites were practicing them. Remember, God had cursed Canaan through Noah, the son of Ham. No time for that one. Verse 13, sin screams to heaven. I want you to know that there's screaming going up from America. Sodom's sins screamed for judgment like Abel's blood screamed from the ground. We see it in verse 13 because the angel said, The cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. Our God sitting in heaven has America screaming at him, We hate you! Why don't you come and try us on? We love our sin! Just like Abel's blood. Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? God said, his blood is crying to me from the ground. You've killed him, and I'm going to curse you for that. This is a sober, serious point to always remember. Don't think that America is getting away with anything. Or anyone is getting away with anything. The Bible says in a very strange combination of words, very, by strange I mean unusual, in James chapter 5, the cry of sinners has come up before the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. See, the New Testament doesn't call him Lord of hosts, except right there, Lord of Sabaoth. Their sins are screaming is there really a God in heaven with angel armies? There is. Consider what he did to the Canaanites, guilty. Annihilated them. Consider what he did to the tribe of Benjamin, a section of his own church. Killed everyone except 700 men. That means all women and children were killed. Still in verse 13, that was lesson 21, sin screams to heaven. Remember, that the martyrs are under the altar of God, crying for vengeance. 
Verse 14. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law. We believe there were three of them, married to three daughters, which married his daughters and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. For Lot to warn sons-in-law required him to have given his daughters to three pagans. Are you able to do, are you able to read and think about that? How in the world did Lot get sons-in-law? He gave his daughters away to pagans in Sodom. Affinity is the sin of God's children marrying worldlings like Jehoshaphat. For Lot to sit in the city gate required him to have had social obligations to city families. Don't you ever obligate yourself to anyone. Lot clearly let his daughters go to public school, shop at the mall to meet these boys. From beginning of the Bible to its end, marrying unbelievers is a terribly wicked choice. Still in verse 14, verse lesson 23, words mean nothing. Lot's sons-in-law were not moved by his words, for his actions approved Sodom's sins. It does not matter that he was vexed, he should have moved. It does not matter he was vexed, his girls should still be single, living at home with him. Every child can and will psychoanalyze their parents as to their degree of commitment. They had psychoanalyzed Lot. They had assessed his life. He wasn't sincere. Verse 14 still, fathers affect family trees. Lot, through compromise, lost his family, and the rest of the account will reveal more. How he lost his wife and two daughters. They were shot and ruined. Their morals were destroyed because of their father allowing too many inputs through the city of Sodom. A good man like Abraham can save relatives by his righteousness and by his prayers. God was going to preserve the whole city of Sodom for Abraham if there could have been 10 righteous souls found. That's the weight of a righteous man. Fathers affect family trees. A good man like Abraham can save relatives. God first told Abraham what he had planned. Then God allowed Abraham to negotiate. Isn't that wonderful? I thank God for my father sitting in your midst. His effect and influence on my family is great. He's more righteous than me, and you all know it. I'm ashamed of it, but I'm never going to back down from declaring the truth. I have a great father, and he affects his whole family tree, and I have a big chunk of that family tree. And you, young man, are his oldest great-grandson, and you are my oldest grandson, and you better be listening to me and be preparing yourself to stand up and be like Abraham and not like Lot. Right. Thank you, Dad, for your righteous example all the days of your life. Amen. Your two sons sitting in here know that what I just said is the truth, and everyone else should know it as well. Right. Recall how Job prayed to God to forgive his children when they had birthday parties. How can we measure the tremendous effect of Hannah, Lois, and Eunice, so I'm including some mothers and grandmothers, on their sons. Verse 15. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Verse 15. Authority is male. The angels didn't talk to Mrs. Lot, and they didn't talk to the daughters of Lot. They talked to Lot. They didn't appeal to the girls at home or the married girls with men. Authority is male. So you want, you're glad you're a man? You really want to 
show us that you're a man, then lead your women. Lead your women. Love your women. Be a loving leader. Win them. Carry them with you. Let them hold on to your coattails and show them how to do it by being out in front of them. If the lesson about fathers wasn't enough, then here's another of God's chosen rulers in society and their men. Verse 16, And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. Lesson number 26, lingering is like Lot. If you linger about something that you ought to do in your life, you're like Lot. Stop lingering, go do it. In spite of the angel's haste, their dire warning, and their instruction, Lot lingered due to his sentiment with his stinking house and his stinking job in a stinking city. He lingered. How many of you cannot let go of something to be like Abraham? Why? Why can't you let go of it? It's only trash, and I include your family. It's only trash. Why can't you let go of it? Because you're like Lot. You linger. You're sentimentally attached to junk, including your family. Your family's not special. The Lord Jesus never thought your family was special. He said, if you don't hate father and mother and brother and sister and son and daughter for my sake, you can't be my disciple. You are just so inferior, you're like Lot. I want people like Abraham. You say, how did Abraham leave his family? Do you really want to know? Why don't you read your Bible? He packed up and moved 500 miles from Ur of the Chaldeans to be with a strange people in a strange place that spoke a strange language. He left his family. And, the ones, and his dad tried to tag along, and the Lord killed his dad in Haran before he came into Canaan. Lingering is like Lot. There is nothing on earth to be compared to God, not children, not spouse, not parents. The Jesus of the Bible defies and rejects any followers that do not hate all relationships in comparison to him. David made haste and would not delay to keep God's commandments. He didn't linger. Verse 16 has lesson 27. God's mercy is marvelous. In spite of the angel's haste, dire warning, and instruction, Lot lingered. The angels should have left him. He should be glad I wasn't one of them. Since he was so perverse and sentimentally attached. I'll get my comeuppance before I'm out of this verse. (laughs) Oh, the Lord has been gracious to me. Have I ever lingered? Did I ever linger? You know I did. However, it's terrible to linger when you have two angels sent from God telling you to get out that I'm about to destroy the place. Also in verse 16, lesson 27, God's mercy is marvelous. That's where we are. Forgive me. These merciful messengers from heaven took them by the hand and led them out. Now here's where I want to exalt God's mercy. But I'm asking you the question, but it's, it's about me and it's about Lot. Has God ever cut off temptations for you so that he ended what you could not end. Isn't that what? Yes. Amen. Amen, yes. And he grabbed Lot by the hands like a school kid and hauled him out of that city because that's what he needed to do. Verse 17. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, God, 
speaking through these angels. Remember, the Bible says that Jacob wrestled with God, Jacob wrestled with an angel, and Jacob wrestled with a man. Which one is true? D, all of the above. So it's a singular, and we're getting... It's the Lord. Just read the chapter. Verse 17, it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Lesson 28, looking back is rebellion. The lesson here is run for your life away from this junk that I'm about to destroy. Don't linger, don't look back. Don't have any affection for it. Completely flush it and move only forward. Looking back is rebellion. The angels told Lot and his family not to look back at Sodom, but to run for their lives. Why would they want to look back? To see what happened to their house and cars? Why would they want to look back? To see what happened to the other six children? Three daughters and their three husbands? And the grandchildren? God doesn't care. Why do you care? Curious. I want you to learn. I want you to learn the Bible. Right. I want to think exactly the way God thinks, and I don't care about any sentimentality by anyone about anything or anyone. I want, to, I want to think the way the Lord thinks, and I want to preach the way the Lord thinks. Looking back is rebellion. Looking back smells like remorse or regret or rebellion against God's kind deliverance. If you love the Lord thy God like you should, no one and no thing can ever compare. Verse 17 also has lesson 29, embrace God's severity. God told Lot to avoid all the plain of the Jordan and to flee to the mountain for safety. Lot thought this too severe and extreme, so he presumed on his grace for compromise. Most Christians today think, when there's any preaching like this, that God is far too extreme and they end up cheating to save family, friends, and stuff and activities. Most Christians today cannot flush various family members to be true disciples of Jesus. The God and Jesus preach today and their standards are not even close to Scripture. Flee to the mountain. Don't look back. Don't linger. Don't stop in the plain. Don't look for any rest area or garden. Get to the mountain. I'm going to burn this place up. Verses 18 through 20, Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? and my soul shall live. Does that whining crybaby bother you right there in those three verses? You've chosen to save me from Sodom. I don't want to go to the mountain. It's too dangerous. This is Proverbs. There's a lion in the street. It's cold outside. It'll be too hard. If God says go to the mountain, what can God provide in the mountain? A table, safety, prosperity, food, and drink, and everything needed. Go to the mountain. Little crybaby. Lesson 30, hate little sins. He's, he's wanting a little sin. Can't, can't you see it's just a little city? Look at, look at this whining 
little effeminate crybaby. He's going to get the lesson. But listen, I hope that you can get the lesson before the hair on the back of your neck is singed off. That's what's going to happen to Lot. He's going to decide that the mountain is a better place than this little city called Zoar. But it's not going to be until he's feeling the heat on his back of Sodom burning up. Then he'll leave Zoar. Hate little sins. Lot turned God's grace into lasciviousness, just like Jude's enemy teachers in Jude. Turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. I can still have my lust because God is so gracious. You've saved me by your mercy. Now show me some mercy. Don't make me go to the mountain. I could die up there. Listen, there's no restaurants. There's no Mickey D's. What am I going to do up there? Let me go into this little city. I can see the golden arches from here. You should cringe and despise his sentimental and childish drivel about little Zoar. Verse 21. And, and he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. He was going to. God's mercy is great, even when we're weak. Lesson 31, never presume on God. God accepted Lot's whining request to disregard his instruction for his infantile desire not to go to the mountain. God accepted it. God accepting something doesn't mean God approves it or commends it. God may let you get away with such junk at times, but you will cost yourself great trouble by doing it your way instead of his way. May I give you an example? God allowed polygamy. Everybody wants to ask me about polygamy in the world. I've preached it enough to you people that you never asked me about polygamy. They always ask me about polygamy. God allowed polygamy, though wrong, but it cost every fool that tried it with marital and domestic confusion, competition, and destruction. Solomon concluded in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 29, Lo, this have I found, that God made man upright, but he sought out many inventions. And one of their inventions is polygamy. God let Abraham be a polygamist. God let Isaac and Jacob, and God, God let Jacob for sure. God let David, God let Solomon. They were polygamists. All you got to do is read about the torment in their lives because of competing wives and competing sons. It was terrible. God allowed it. Is that God commending it? Oh, no, never. For the hardness of men's hearts, he will sometimes let you or let men in general get away with something, but it will never be to your advantage. I want to tell you something about God right now, and this is going to be hard to bear. I hope you can handle it. God is smarter than you. That's all, that's all I have to say. God is smarter than you. So when he says to do something, can I help you? Just do it. He's smarter than you. When he says mountain, go to the mountain. When he says Eve, Eve for Adam, trust him. If you loved her the way you should, you wouldn't be able to hand her, handle her anyway. Especially at 61. Verse 21. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing, and when God accepts, accepts something, hope that it was not your wisdom against his. Your ideas, even if God allows them for a hard heart, will never work like his wisdom. Verse 22. Haste thee, escape thither. Go ahead, pick your little town, get into it, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. Lesson 32. The world's future is terrible. Believe it, it's coming. 
God just can't do it until it matches his timetable. And his timetable includes getting every one of us to a place of repentance and then getting us to heaven. Remember that. Why bad things aren't happening faster. Oh, they're coming. They're on a timetable and they're on schedule and nothing is going to hold them up. They will happen. It's like the murders under the altar of God. Lord, when are you going to avenge our blood on those on the earth? As soon as I get the rest of the murders here, then I'll do it. Here it is. Get into the city of Zoar. As soon as you're in there and you have a little bit of a concrete wall between your back and Sodom, I'm going to burn it up. Verses 23 and 24. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Judgment reveals God. Lesson number 33. God rained fire and brimstone from heaven on Sodom and Gomorrah and all related. The plants of the field, their fields, their crops, everything was burned up. Brimstone is sulfur, which is a unique stone that burns in terrible and beautiful ways. God did not spank the citizens of Sodom. He burned them up, all ages and persons. God is known by the judgment that he executes. Do you know him? Psalm 9, verses 14 through 16. God is known, the Lord is known, by the judgments which he executeth. Higion Selah. Worship him. Verses 24 and 25. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. God abominates sodomy. Sulfur fire from heaven burning every person, every house, every plant is God's hatred. Abraham saw it from a distance. It looked like a blast furnace, not a lazy campfire. We'll get to that in a moment. God hates all sinners, as it is written in Psalm 5.5 and Psalm 11.5, contrary to milk toast preaching today. Preachers today like Billy Graham or Joel Osteen would say they do not understand this God. Can you imagine Joel Osteen in Acts 17? Can you imagine Joel Osteen in Sodom? He'd be having a crusade. So would Billy Graham. Verse 26. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. God despised Lot's wife. Lesson 35. Though told clearly not to look back, Lot's wife looked back at her beloved Sodom. Surely, surely, surely in the heart of God, there is allowance for emotional, sentimental affection for children and grandchildren. Really? Where? God does not allow such things, and it is our wisdom to appreciate his commandments. God does not have a soft and special place in his heart for women. They must also obey. This is a real event of real human history of a woman that was married to a righteous and just man. She turned back. She looked back, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Women, are you going to be great women in the earth or not? Jail used a tent stake and a sledgehammer. Mrs. Lott was a little compromising, sniveling baby about her children. It's a huge difference. There's lessons. Genesis 19 is just filled with them. She turned back. Jesus told women following him to hate their children to be his disciples. I want to I live 
think, speak, act, just like he taught. Lord, help me. I will follow you. Lesson number 36, husbands must lead wives. Lot's wife had no more character than her wicked daughters, who clearly had none because of Lot's poor leadership. It is Lot's fault that his wife was so weak and wicked, he should have taught her better. Neither Abraham nor Joshua asked their wives to follow God. They simply told them to follow them as they followed God. David had a wife like Lot. I love what David did to his wife that was like Lot's wife. Remember? Mm -hmm. I'll trust your memory. Job had a wife like Lot, but he didn't put up with her insane sentimentality for a second. Mm -hmm. The New Testament's no different. Husbands are to teach their wives at home so that they know how to think right. That's lesson 36, husbands lead wives. Same verse, lesson 37, only look forward. Though told clearly not to look back, Lot's wife looked back at her beloved Sodom. For this terrible crime, hating God for her love of wicked children, God judged her. Jesus used Lot's wife to teach his disciples how to save their lives. In Luke 17, verses 28 through 32, Jesus Christ taught his followers that if they would lose their lives for his sake, they would find them. But if they tried to find their lives here on earth, they would lose them. Then he said these words. It's one of the shortest verses in the Bible. Do you think you might be able to remember it with me? It's three words. Remember Lot's wife. If you think, I watch it. If you think that by coddling your wicked children, you are gaining something you are losing. Jesus said so. Blow them out and replace them. It's easy. With righteous children. And I don't mean by reproduction. You have lots of opportunities. Verses 27 and 28. Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld. And lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. Have you ever seen a furnace or a blast furnace? those sparks are flying up at a high rate of speed because there is so much heat underneath it. You know, a campfire, the little sparks just wander around. You know, they might have a little space where they're going kind of fast. Then they wander around and drift around, but not this. It looked like a furnace. And so we just read verses 27 and 28. Lesson 38 is intercession may not work. In verse 27, Abraham get up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. He went right back to where he had begged for the, to save Sodom and Gomorrah. He went right back to the place of intercession, but instead, all he could see was the blast furnace because God will only accept intercession to a point. Moses is my favorite example. You know what much more could... Do all of you know that much more could be said in each of these lessons? Mm -hmm. I hope you do. But on this particular lesson, I like Moses. Mm -hmm. Moses... When Israel would not take the land of Canaan, God told Moses, stand back. I'm going to kill them all. I'll start over with you. Now, some of us might get excited about that. But Moses was a great minister and a great pastor. And so he begged God for mercy and he invoked God's own words. He said to God, he said, remember when you appeared to me? When you appeared to me and you declared the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord was the Lord full of grace, gracious, merciful, forgiving sin. Now, if that's your name, 
you should show it right now toward these rebellious Israelites. He said, good point. Good point. I won't kill them right now. I'll let them wander for 40 years in the wilderness and kill them over time. That's what he said. I will keep my word. I will not kill them all right now. That is the God of the Bible. There's a lot of churches in Greenville that you can go to where you can be more comfortable, where you'll never hear about the God of the Bible. But that's the God of the Bible. I love the God of the Bible. I love how he would let Moses reason with him, and he would say, Moses, you're right. I did say that to you. I almost forgot. But here's how I'm going to implement it. Verse 29. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham. (laughs) These are some of my favorite words in the whole chapter right here. God remembered Abraham. Not Lot. And sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. That's verse 29. Lesson 39, God remembers the righteous. God delivered Lot, his wife, and his two daughters in extra mercy for Abraham's faith. Just like God delivered Mrs. Noah, three sons and their wives, for Noah's faith. You'll never read one good word about the other seven. But it's Noah in Hebrews chapter 11 that by faith saved his household. This had not been the original terms. For they had agreed on saving the city for 10, and if there weren't 10, but God pulled Lot and his family out in mercy toward Abraham. God remembers the righteous. I thank God for my righteous father. I hope that I and all of you can be righteous fathers, and so that our children and our grandchildren benefit from us. Lord, help us on a day-by-day basis. Verse 30, And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him. Oh, now he's moving, and he's probably moving pretty quickly. But his back's warm, and the hair is singed off his neck. For he feared to dwell in Zoar. Why did he fear? Because there's fire everywhere. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. Lesson 40, don't wait for judgment. Don't wait until something bad happens. Trust God and believe God's word. Do it his way. His judgment can be bad. Do it his way, and do it as soon as you know you ought to do it his way. That's lesson 40, verses 31 and 32. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. And here concludes the sordid story of Lot. Lesson 41, sin corrupts the innocent. Though the two girls were virgins, still living with their parents, their hearts and minds were ruined. Commentators have tried to excuse the girls every way possible, but there is no excuse. If they had any integrity, they could have asked their father about the future and or sent for Abraham. Do not underestimate the power of compromise or hypocrisy on even young children. God preserves the innocence of children, especially girls, by appropriate inhibitions. But these girls had none. Lesson 42. Sin destroys hope. The two girls had lost all hope through some erroneous concept of judgment on Sodom. True believers, like Adam told us today, are never without hope, for they can and will call on him in any trouble. The judgment was very limited in scope. Zoar was still there. Abraham was somewhere. Why was there no hope? 
when God must chasten or punish your family or you, there is still hope. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He'll take care of you. Don't try to take care of yourself your way. You'll lose your life. Lose your life for his sake, and he'll make your life up for you. He'll fill it. Lesson 43, family infatuation is misguided. These two girls are infatuated with the idea of promoting a family tree from their father. That's just misguided infatuation. I'll leave it. There's more that could be said. Lesson 44, reject sibling sinners. The oldest daughter of the two came up with the idea and went first into the incest bed. The whole thing would have ended if the younger daughter had told her father about it. Anybody in here a younger daughter? Oh, I see a few lined up back there. They're your sister, Sarah. Don't follow each other down some path to sin. Stand up. Be counted. Reject sibling sinners. Parents must see the destructive example and influence of bad children and reject them. If you've got a bad apple in your bunch, what do you do with a bad apple? Get rid of it. Save your children. You say, what about the one you're getting rid of? Who cares about them? If they're a threat to the good ones that are left, get rid of the apple. Reject sibling sinners. Why didn't the younger sister say, Sis, that's sick. What happened to you? Why are you thinking about something like this? I'm going to tell dad. I'm going to text Abraham. She didn't do anything. She just went along. And every sibling in here, you know, we've done some bad things in our lives, brother. But we also made some commitments to serve the Lord together, brother. You're a great brother to me. Reject sibling sinners. Joseph did not live like his brothers. David rejected his brothers. But Eli failed with his sons. Lesson 45, sin destroys inhibitions. Oh, look what's happening here. I've read verses 31 and 32. Look at 33. And they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he perceived not when she lay down nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in, and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she laid down, nor when she arose. And then we have our climactic verse in verse 36. Sin destroys inhibitions. The daughters were knowledgeable about sex and conception in considerable detail, if you think through the story. They must have been exposed at school, neighbors, the mall, movies, and their new smartphones. It usually takes the way of a man with a maid to bring a girl along to romance and sex. God knows the difference between innocent women and whores by their foreheads. Jeremiah 3.3 says that a virtuous girl blushes and gets embarrassed at discussions of sex. What happened to the foreheads, the minds, the hearts, the bodies, the clothes, the nakedness of these two girls? It's a very simple answer. Liberal 
parenting. Liberal parenting. Lesson 46, and it's not a lesser lesson. Wine is a mocker. Wine is a mocker. The girls had learned the manipulative art, the manipulative art of drunkenness in the wicked city of Sodom. God would specifically condemn this crime of using alcohol for sexual sins. He that giveth his neighbor drink, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 15, in order to discover his nakedness. Wine is a mocker, no matter who gives it. But when you choose it foolishly, you're an idiot. Anyone in here that drinks more than you should, you're an idiot. Because the Bible says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. That's the opposite I mean, that is a statement saying you're a fool if you're not wise. We know the Bible commends moderate use of wine, but do you hate immoderate use of it? Do you hate immoderate use of it? Do you know, do you know exactly and specifically how much alcohol affects you and in what ways? I love the brothers that love to tell me they know. The Bible says they don't know. You do not fully know these answers. Wine deceives those that use it. Ask others only. Because those minor changes in our behavior, we do not detect. But others do detect it. So listen to them. Lot did not know when each girl slept with him, even though he could still well perform. Wine's a mocker. How are you like Lot? not knowing how your thoughts, your words, or your actions have been altered by alcohol. You know, I preach the moderate use of alcohol because I have to. But I'm scared by it. And I just want to warn you, look at the wickedness that it was used to bring about in Genesis 19. Lesson 47, God may leverage sin. Lesson 47, Look what verse 36 says. Thus were both the children of Lot, both, thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. Lesson 47, God may leverage sin. Both daughters conceived by this incest requiring drunken performance and ovulation simultaneously. That's my God. Do you understand? Tremendous coincidence. There is no coincidence. It is only providence. It's only providence. Most Christians give great credit to God for conception. Then let them see it right here. God has not promised, nor is he obligated to stop ordinary results from wicked actions. In fact, the likelihood of this event resulting in two pregnancies is certainly quite low. God leveraged this event against Lot. God leveraged Judah's sin with Tamar for Tamar's consolation. Lesson 48, judgment can get worse. Lot thought it was bad losing his house and his wife. How about waking up from that hangover and, you, and your two daughters are pregnant by you? Lesson 48 is, God can turn your life upside down and inside out far worse than you can even imagine. God knows you best, and he, laughs, and he laughs last and best. So stop any sinful compromise today. Lesson 49, judgment can last a long time. 
Look what it says in verses 37 and 38. The firstborn bare a son, called his name Moab, the same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger, she also bare a son, and called his name Ben-Ammi, the same as the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. The Ammonites and the Moabites, two perpetual enemies of the nation of Israel. Judgment can last a long time, and judgment is not limited. God had warned that he will judge some sins on children of the third and fourth generation. Don't forget it. Rehoboam's folly cost ten tribes their relationship to God and Jerusalem for centuries. If you doubt what I'm saying right now with lesson number 50, that judgment is not limited sometimes, consider how Adam's singular sin has affected all generations forever. Genesis 19. Do you read the Bible carefully? Seeking to glean all you can about God, His people, and your duties? If this generation of America is like Sodom and Gomorrah, as some say, and I agree, let us learn from their history. Do you believe this terrible event truly took place and this family was destroyed from the inside out? Yours can be. Let every father see the terrible consequences of one bad choice that got the snowball rolling downhill. Let every father guard the inputs to his family with great vigilance and zeal, zealous hatred of moral danger. Let every wife pray for her husband and help him upward in righteousness in every way possible. Let every child humbly submit to his father's choices and never question decisions of holy separation, no matter how strict or severe they may seem to you. Let every Christian use the liberty of alcohol with great fear to avoid the damning mockery of Lot. Wine mocked Lot. Death and judgment are coming, but God can make your life so bad that these events will look like an escape. There's more accessible influences and temptations and inputs in our children's lives in 2019 than ever before in the history of the world. Right. Your work is cut out for you, men. I'm with you. Let's do it together. Let's try to hold the line and not be like Lot. Let's not pitch our tent toward them through any vehicle. All the techno sins that I have preached to you, let's try to protect them. And the Lord will bless our efforts. May the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of his word. And as you read your way through the Bible this year, I hope that you'll go slow enough and that you'll think about what you're reading. Right. There's a lot of lessons to learn.